Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Let's get our Bibles out. Our message today is preparing a dwelling place. Preparing a dwelling place. Here at the Rhodes, we get excited when we open our Bibles because we believe that it is how we know who Jesus is. So we get a little pumped about our Bibles. So Mount Carmel, Carlinville, E-Roads family in North City, come on. Let's get excited as we open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Woo! Genesis chapter 1. Anybody love the Bible? The B-I-B-L-E-S, that's the book for me. Stand alone in the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Hey, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the B-I-B-L-E. We thank you that your Word is life to us. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and bring life to this word. Teach it to us, Lord. You're the one who guides into all truth. Holy Spirit, we give all glory to you. We give all the honor to you. And we welcome your presence. Come and confirm this word with signs following for the glory of Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 1. God has had one desire since the beginning of creation, and that is to dwell with us. This has been his main desire from the very beginning. So I'm going to go to the beginning because preparing a dwelling place is about uh, not just preparing a dwelling place like come and be in our services, but preparing to be a dwelling place. Like you and I preparing our lives to be a dwelling place. Because from the beginning, that's what God wanted for you and I was to come and dwell with you, to be in you, to be a part of you, to, to do life with you. The, so I'm going to do some things today. I'm going to, I'm going to burst a few bubbles maybe. I'm going to address some things from a religious teaching standpoint. So I, I pray that you stay in an open mind. And I'm talking to two groups of people. I'm talking to people that have been in this church for a long time, people that are here for a short time, people new. I guess that's more than two. But just, well, you've been here a long time or you're new to the Rhodes Church I want you to hear things from a fresh lens because here's, if I speak to people that have been Christians or maybe been in this church for a long time, here's one of the dangers. You can come to a place where you are open to receiving or hearing a word preached without necessarily applying that word to your heart. Mm-hmm. So what can happen is you can hear sermons that you amen and say that's good, but it still never applies and changes your life. Because there's times over the years that I've realized this when I, people get into a situation, I start talking to them, start ministering to them, and I hear what they're saying in the midst of their conflict or their circumstances, and I'm like, do you even listen to what I say? <laughs> like, I, I preach against that. Or I tell you what to do about those things, and you're, do you listen? And what it means is, same way God has that conversation with me. He's like, do you listen, Chad, to what I said? I just told you last time you did that. So we all are in the same boat. But here's where God's wanting to get us. He's wanting to get us to a place where we apply truth and not just hear truth. Got to apply it. So that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to hit some things. Some things I'm going to hit you've heard before, but you may not be currently active in them. Peter said this, I don't think it wrong to remind you of truth you already know. That's what Peter said. Now, I'm going to say some things that maybe if you're raised in church and you're new to this church or, or you're just watching online and you stumbled across this, I'm going to say some things that are going to blow some of your minds. You'll be like, I've never heard that ever before. Myrtle, let's get to the car. 
I mean, I don't, I don't know what your response is going to be. But I'm going to say, stay with me. Because if we're just going to look at what the Bible says, God is asking for, uh, and I loved how, how, how they were singing that song and she began to sing about God is raising up an army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is not looking for more churches. He's looking for an army of believers, sons and daughters. And so we're going we're gonna to tear down, we're going to kick out some crutches of churchianity because we don't want to embrace churchianity. We want to embrace Christianity or relationship with Jesus. I don't want you to believe, I, don't, I may be getting ahead of myself, but I just came to my mind, so I'm going to say it. I don't want people to believe that there is a category in Christianity that involves the ability to not love Jesus, not want to read my Bible, not pray, and still be on my way to heaven. I want to remove that category that religion has created that there's these on fire people, those crazy, wacky people over here, and then there's this place for us mediocre, compromising, lukewarm people that still go into heaven. We just aren't crazy about it. I want to remove that category from your theology because the gospel of the Bible says to deny yourself Take up your cross and follow me to crucify your flesh, to give your whole life to me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the gospel of the Bible. I just want to come to church. You can come to church, but that doesn't guarantee a relationship with Jesus. And eternity is about a relationship with Jesus, not church attendance. Thank you, Lord. See, I, I, I want us to come to church. But I want us to come to church because we love Jesus. Not because we think that's what Jesus wants us to do. All right, we'll get to the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. I need about an hour. Is it okay? Can we take some extra time today? Amen. Thank you. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, I want us to build perfect theology today. And this is why I love preaching out of Genesis chapter 1 through verses chapter 3. Through verses Chapter 1 through chapter 3, because I believe this is an expression of perfect theology, okay? This is how God created it in the beginning before man got involved, started writing commentaries and creating seminaries. Oh, Jesus. I'm starting early, <laughs> starting early. See, we, we create our own ideologies and people are more protective of their doctrines and their theologies than they are embracing the truth of the word of God. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, listen, your teachings and doctrines of man are making the word of God of no effect. We need to get back to these three words, our perfect theology. Then God said. That's it. What does God say? That's it. Well, I don't know. We don't believe that at our church. What does God say? <laughs> Amen. Then God said, what did he say? Let us make man, mankind, in our image. Remember the word image? That's the masculine gender in the Hebrew. According to our likeness, that word likeness is the feminine gender in the Hebrew. So let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, let us make mankind in our image. So they're going to be like us, masculine and feminine. Remember, God is not a man. I'm amazed at how many people that trips them up. 
Well, it says he. Just because it uses the pronoun he in the Bible, God is, John chapter 4, verse 24 says, God is spirit. He's spirit. He's not male. He created out of himself male and female. They both have attributes of Jehovah. <laughs> so, uh, I about went ahead of myself. I just, it's really good, but maybe we'll get there later. All right, so uh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. dominion. All right, so here's the first thing I'm going to address, so brace yourself. God, sovereign Lord of the universe. When I talk about God's sovereignty, people will say, well, God is sovereign. I 100% agree God is sovereign. Because God created, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, all that God created, the heavens and the earth, everything that's in them, God himself is the creator of all things visible. Now check this out. So the earth, the universe, the galaxies, all of that, God is outside of that because he created them. He's not inside of this realm. He's outside of it because he created it. I know it's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for me to comprehend. It's hard for me to comprehend that God is outside of the concept of time. I, I, I can't, my brain tilts. Like he's outside of matter. He, he's outside of space. Time, space, and matter. He's outside of that. That's a whole science teaching right there. But anyway, so God is sovereign outside of that, but what he did is he created this world, this earthly physical realm, world. And so when he did this, look what he says. He, he let, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. The word dominion means to exercise authority over, to tread down, to subjugate, or to bring under control, to conquer, to make submissive or subdue. So from the jump, from the very beginning, God says, all right, Trinity, let us make mankind, male and female. But, they had this conference, let us let them have dominion. In other words, in our sovereignty, we make a decision to give them dominion. This is so important to build your theological basis for your religious uh, beliefs on this concept that God in his sovereignty decided to give mankind dominion. So what does that mean? The word means, again, to have authority over, to exercise authority for, over, to tread down, to subjugate. So here's what it means partially. I'll give you part of it. It's huge. But while we are on the earth, while we're living on this earth, was God was saying that we will have to exercise dominion or authority as long as we live on the earth. In other words, he was saying, let them exercise authority. Let them tread down. Let them bring under control. Let them conquer. Let them make submissive. Are you reading that? Let them do that. So we will encounter things on the earth that we will have to exercise authority over and bring under control mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually all the time. From the beginning. Recognize this. Remember, this is before sin. 
This isn't after sin. This is before sin. He said from the beginning, you will have to exercise authority and tread down. There will be things, this is why we have to get this mindset. As long as we are on this earth, we have got to have the the understanding that we should live in a dominion mindset. In other words, out of relationship with God, connected to him, not independent of him, but in relationship with him, anything that opposes him, we conquer it and bring it in submission to the kingdom of heaven. But that's not what you're taught a lot. We're taught a lot that all the authority is in God and we just survive and whatever he wants to do, he does. And we're just walking around hoping that something good happens to us. That's churchianity. That's religion. That's not your Bible. Your Bible teaches you as a son or daughter of God that in relationship with him, whenever we come across things in our world emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually that oppose the kingdom of heaven, we don't just have to say, oh my, I sure hope God takes that away. We say, in the name of Jesus, I tell you to bow and I'm going to tread over you and conquer you right now. That's how he made us. That's what he says here. That's what it means when he says have dominion. So now how does it play out practically? There's so many applications for it. Let's just choose one. Whenever I have a thought that comes to my mind that does not line up with the kingdom of heaven, I have to take that captive and make it submissive to the word of God. I have to say, wait a minute. Feelings, emotions that don't agree with heaven, I gotta take them captive and say, you are not gonna conquer me, I'm gonna conquer you today. Dominion, God's put that in you. You have the ability through him, through Jesus, through a relationship with him, now we can exercise dominion. Everybody say dominion. Dominion. He said, let them have dominion. Look to your neighbor and say, you've got dominion. You've got dominion. So now, here's what we do, though. We tend to gravitate towards doctrines and theologies that take all responsibility off of us. We like to create little religious constructs based on our convenience. (laughs) We like to build systems and structures that pamper to us. We don't like to talk about Take up your cross and deny yourself and follow Jesus. We don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about, Lord, how you just want to bless me. How you, you're God of love. You just love. We just love everybody. Yes, he loves everybody. Yes, he walks in perfect love. But he says, take up your cross and die for me. Well, that doesn't sound very loving. It is absolutely loving because he knows what he's keeping you from. Correction, loving correction sometimes is because I love you enough. Don't go there. You're going to die. Come towards me and live. So he's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you what to stay out of. I'm going to tell you I want you to have dominion. So we've got to stop creating these religious contracts, constructs centered around our convenience. And this is what we've done in the church is the church began to build a religious structure and system based on the convenience and comfort of the people. Because the goal from the platform was communicate, or the goal to the people in the platform, I would say that to myself, was your job is to get them to come. You're going to be a good preacher if you get people to come. So you need to say things that will get them to come and to stay. So don't say anything that makes them uncomfortable or they might leave. We got to get away from that harsh uh, preaching of the hellfire and brimstone. And we need to preach more intellectual, conceptual things that are more intriguing and appealing to our modern everyday lives. So what happens is 
from the pulpit side, we get confused and think, well, okay, we need to start talking about things that are going to make people feel comfortable and want to come back. And God said, I was never concerned with their comfort. I was concerned with their conviction. Because we're supposed to have a Lord and a Savior, a master over our life, not something we tell him what to do. He tells us what to do. So we create structures. We create structures where we no longer uh, preach about that I did not come to be served, but I come to serve. That's what Jesus said. But we want to create constructs around, well, I don't want, I'm a little busy, and uh, I, I only, if I want to serve in the church, I really don't want to serve in the church, I just want to come and attend. I want it to be a great church. I want it to be full of great preaching, great singing, and great kids ministry, and all this great stuff. I just don't want to serve. I just want to consume. I don't want to contribute. I just want to experience it. Right, so that we create that, and then maybe well, I'm willing to serve, I'm only going to serve once a month. Where'd that come from? Where'd months, once a month come from? The Jesus, I will give you once a month, 90 minutes out of my day. You're not going to find that in here. You're going to find that in here. Jesus is going to say, every day, give me your life. Every day. Well, that's not very convenient. Hanging on a cross wasn't very convenient, but he did it for me. So he's going to give us dominion, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. So you've got dominion. Man, we could, we could preach for a week on just having dominion, what that means, what it means practically in your marriage, in your, in the, in, in your relationships, how am I going to deal with these feelings and these thoughts. People are telling you just go with your feelings. You have these feelings, just natural, just do it. No, crucify those feelings and bring them into obedience of Jesus. I just can't help it. This is how I feel. Yes, we can help how we feel. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. Look at verse 27. So God created man. Everybody say created. Created. Created man. Created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Here's the word created. It's a Greek, uh, sorry, Hebrew word, bara, which means to produce something that has not been existence before out of nothing currently in existence. Grasp that? To produce something that has never been in existence before out of nothing that's currently in existence. When God created something, when he created this, this created, it means it's not attached to the physical realm. This is spiritual realm. He just made it, bam, it's there. He didn't make it out of something. He just made it something. (laughs) Again. So this, again, this is the created part, the spiritual realm part. Hold your thought there. We're going to talk about that. Then what what else did he say? Image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. He blessed them. That's not because they sneezed. The word blessed. This is a Hebrew word that means to speak words invoking or enacting or making use of divine favor. Or or I can shorten it up to say invoking or enacting divine favor through words. So he blessed them. So when God speaks over them and blessed them, he was not just saying a, a suggestion, but he was invoking and enacting divine favor in their life. So in the very beginning, when God created man and woman, he blessed them. He invoked and enacted divine favor into their life. So from heaven comes blessing. That's theology. From heaven, every good gift comes from above. He blessed them. He endowed them with divine favor. And then God said to them, what did he say in this blessing? 
He said, number one, be fruitful. Be fruitful. He wasn't saying that as a suggestion. Hey, go be fruitful. No, he was empowering something. He was saying, you be fruitful. Just like he said, let there be light. He was saying, man and woman, fruitful be. Maybe you can translate it that way. It would help you figure it out. So he said, from there on, mankind was fruitful. Here's what that word fruitful means. It means to produce offspring or a harvest of the same kind. In other words, he produced in us the ability to reproduce of the same kind. How does that, how does that impact our lives? You and I don't have to pray to be fruitful. We are fruitful. What we have to determine is what fruit we produce. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm either going to be fruitful of the things of God in my life or I'm going to be fruitful of the things of the enemy in my life. I determine which one I plant in my heart and whatever I plant in my heart, that's what's going to produce out of it. What you feed yourself on, what you're around, your surroundings determines what we produce because we allow those things to get in our life. So God says, you're going to reproduce what you put in you. So now be careful what you sow because whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish. So here he is telling us again, subdue it. Make subordinate, overcome, enslave, conquer. Not independent of God, out of relationship with God. You and I don't even know what to conquer without a relationship with God. We have to be connected to him. So let's jump down to verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed. Everybody say formed. All right, so wait a minute. I thought God created man already. He created spiritual realm. Now in here in chapter 2, verse 7, he formed. This word formed is a Hebrew word that means to fashion, to shape, to forge or to create an object out of existing material. All right, check this out. God created my spirit out of something that never existed before, my spirit being. Then he formed my earth suit body out of, what does the Bible say? Out of the dust of the ground, out of something that already existed in the physical realm, he made my earth suit. So now my earth suit, is tied to this realm because it's made from it. Stay with me for a moment. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I just know the rest of it, so it's got me excited. So he formed, this is my physical formed part. But inside of me is my created spirit part. My physical formed part is tied to this physical world. But my created spirit part is not dependent on this world. It's not tied to this world. It's tied to heaven in the image and likeness of God. So my, my physical form part is going to have to deal with things in this physical world. But my created spirit part is not tied to that, not limited to that. I have resources outside of that that I can access from heaven. So when my formed physical part is going through difficulty, i got to say to my formed physical part, I'm going to go to the creator, my spiritual part, and I'm going to speak into my physical part and bring resources that are not here for you to encounter God. Oh, Jesus. So my formed physical part is going to age. It's in this realm. It's in this life. But my created spot... My created spiritual part never ages. Never ages. 
So now we have resources. So this, this is why, why we need this theology. Because what you see is not all there is. What you feel is not all there is. Like this, I'm, I'm honest, Chad, this is how I feel. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's your form physical part. Your form physical part feels that, I understand that. But what's your created spiritual part say? It's all the same. No, it's not. It's not. Because which one came first? Created spiritual part came first. Genesis 1, verse 27. Physical form part didn't come till Genesis 2, verse 7. So now if it comes first, that means it comes first in priority. It comes first in preeminence. It comes first in precedence. It is the major part of our life. Our created spiritual part should take priority over our form physical part. The word precedence means the condition of being more important than something. So our created spiritual part is to take precedence over our form physical part. It's more important. So then we have to ask this question then. If our created spiritual part is more important than our phys- form physical part, which one gets the most attention? If my created spiritual part comes first, or I could ask, I could ask this in a number of ways. I'm just going to try and shoot a few out at you. So uh, when I'm facing a problem or an obstacle, which one do I go to first? In my daily living, which one do I feed the most? Which one do I give the most attention to? My form physical part gets a lot of attention. My created spiritual part, maybe 90 minutes on one day a week. Do I pray, read my Bible? Do I feed my created spiritual part as much as I feed my form physical part? Which one takes priority? My created spiritual part. From that place, I will begin to live outwardly and it will affect my form physical part. But if I don't feed my creative spiritual part, he will be so weak that my form physical part will dominate my life. We're supposed to live from the inside out, not the outside in. When things come against you, you should have an answer on the inside. Saying, wait a minute, I've got something to say about that. I'm going to have dominion right here. I'm going to have dominion. I'm going to exercise my creative spirit part over my... Whenever you uh, run into a conflict with your spouse, which one answers, your formed physical part or your created spiritual part? No hands? Okay, let's see. Which one's supposed to answer? This is why we got to be careful because our feelings and emotions sometimes are tied to the form physical part, but our created spirit part is from God. And so whenever we want to speak from our feelings, we got to check ourselves and say, oh, Jesus, I'm connected to you in my spirit. Show me what I need to say and how I need to respond. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You have an outward man and you have an inward man. Outward man is perishing. It gets older. Yep. I realize that I'm not 16 on the outward part. But your inward man never gets old. But if you attach, oh, Jesus, come on, let a fire in our heart over this. If you attach the condition of your created spirit man to the condition of your physical form man, you will, your spirituality, your passion, your fire for God will go down as your form physical part begins to age. Your outward man is perishing, but that does not mean anything. 
Caleb said this to Moses. He said, I am just as strong today as I was when I was 40. He's talking at 80 years old. He said, give me my mountain. Why? Because he was speaking from his created spirit part, not his formed physical part. I'm not always going to feel it on the outside, friends. I don't always wake up excited for Jesus. I don't always handle every situation with the anointing and presence of God. Sometimes I connect to my form, physical part, and I, I act likewise. Doesn't end well for me. But we get a chance to change. Some people say this, Chad, as long as I get to heaven, I'll be satisfied. I beg to differ with you. I beg to differ with you. Not that I don't think going to heaven is going to be great. It's going to be incredible. But here's what I think is going to happen. And again, I'm just kicking some things out of churchianity because people have embraced religion that thinks success is just about going to church and hearing a sermon, and they think it's a big deal that I'm even sitting here. And I understand that. That's a big deal, and that's a big first step. But God's drawing you into a loving relationship that goes beyond just sitting in a service because he's wanting to dwell with you. He's wanting to be with you. And so what he's saying to you is I want, he's wanting our yes. He's wanting to give us that, that back and forth relationship part. And so when God speak, starts to speak about this in our, our understanding, we got to realize that I am a triune being. I am a spirit, a created spirit man. I've got a soul and I live in a body, a physical form part. And God was saying through this process, he said, listen, when you think of eternity, when we see Jesus in heaven, everything will change. And I get it. None of us... At least, I don't say none of us, maybe there are people that have been there and seen heaven. I have not yet. I can't wait. I did another funeral this week. Every funeral I do, I think, someday I'm going to see him. Someday I'm going to see him. And here's what I think. When we get to heaven and you see him and you see that everything in heaven is about him, and that everything on the earth that was for him is all that counts, we will get in, but we will face disappointment because we will realize what we wasted. We will realize time that we wasted. Now, there will come a time when Jesus will wipe away every tear, and we won't be sad about it, but I believe there will be regret when we get to heaven, when we realize, what did I give my life for, and none of that matters in heaven. Is that to make us sad? No, that's to give us perspective. Give us perspective on what you're doing with your life, with your career, what you're spending your time on, all the hours you get, what, uh, how many hours a, a week do you get, depending on how much you sleep, how much of that time do you give to God? These are things that God's wanting to check on our physical form part versus our created spiritual part. Now let me go to this. Let me close in here. Look at verse 9. Uh, sorry, verse 8. Then God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There put a man whom he had formed. So again, we're a physical form part. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Notice, pleasant to sight, good for food, physical form part. What is it appealing to? It's appealing to the desires of our physical nature. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. Oh, the tree of life. That represents Jesus connection to Jesus. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil outside of Jesus is what is represented by the knowledge of good and evil. It is the ability to know things without relationship with God. 
Wisdom disconnected from God is not wisdom. I want to burst another quick religious bubble. You'll hear people say this. I've heard it for years and years and years and years. You'll preach about the promises of the word of God, healing or faith or whatever God's saying, and people say, yes, I understand that, but we need to use wisdom. That statement alone makes me want to gag. Because somewhere in religion, we've separated God and wisdom. That God is over here and we know we got some natural wisdom that we need to balance out what God says with our wisdom. (laughs) I have no wisdom disconnected from God. God is the epitome of wisdom. So when God says to do something, I don't care if it's completely foolish to this crowd over here. It is perfect wisdom when we do what God says. So stop looking at, well, here's what the Bible says, but I've been told I need to use wisdom. Yes, you do. Do what the Bible says. That's wisdom. Well, everybody says I'm crazy. I know. Do what the Bible says. That's wisdom. But stop taking what God says and running it by all of your friends to see if they approve. They're not going to approve. You've got to do what God says and let him be true and every man a liar. Does that sound good? Yeah, to some. All right, so now look what he says. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Yeah, and then the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge about what's right or wrong based on your own intellect, not in relationship with me, you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely do what? You shall surely do what? So here's the question I want to end on today. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to be alive? He said, as long as you eat of the tree of life, being connected to Jesus, you will live. But the day that you stop eating of the tree in life and you start eating of the fruit of your own intellect, your own choices, your own will, your own desires, you die. Right? So wouldn't it be obvious that none of us would want to disconnect from the tree of life and we would only want to eat of it and not eat of our own? Why do we do that? I've said this many times and I will say it again. The strategy of Satan in our lifetime is not to get you and me to worship Satan. That is not his goal. That's too obvious. His goal is to get you and I to believe that we can truly live without God. So we create these ideologies that I want to be a good person and go to church, but I really don't depend on God in my relationship. I depend on my money. That as long as I have a good job and I have plenty of money and I have good insurance, I don't need God. I'll go and I like God. Everybody loves Jesus. But I don't depend on him because I've got a good job and I've got insurance. So we get comfortable in our self-dependency. Oh, Jesus, come on, let's come at it, Lord. The enemy's goal, the enemy's strategy, we're not going to get into it today in Genesis chapter 3. The enemy's goal was not Satan dependency, but self-dependency. Here's where he gets us. He doesn't get us with a guy in a red suit and a pitchfork. He gets us with a mirror. 
And he says, you're the one. You can do it. You can figure it out on your own. You don't need God. You got a good job. You got a good career. You got a lot of wisdom. Man, you can figure it out for yourself. Look right here. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. And it's a mirror. And we get puffed up on thinking, yeah, I can do it. When we can't, we can't do it without Jesus. The Bible says that apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's what God's saying. Can we live? Let me ask you some rhetorical questions. You don't have to answer them because I'm not trying to trick you with the answer. Did mankind become a created spirit being without God? No, God created them. Genesis 2, verse 7. Did man become a formed physical being without God? No. He formed them and then he breathed into their life, into their nostrils, the breath of life. So now, can a person stay a breathing, formed, physical being without God? Yes and no. Let me clarify. Every time you do this, God allowed you to do it. That's it. Only because he exists can we breathe. In God's sovereignty, he created humanity, and here's what he did. He breathed into this form, physical formed being, the breath of life, and they became a living being who is fruitful and can multiply. Come on, stay with me for a moment. So now this physical formed being filled with the life of God can reproduce of itself. So a living, breathing being can reproduce another living, breathing being without a relationship with Jesus. So can I live without a relationship with Jesus? I can from a physical form being side, but I cannot from a created spiritual being side. People do it all the time. Do it all the time. They don't have a relationship with Jesus, but they're living. The same thing he told Adam. He said, the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Still here. Still here. They were looking at the physical form part. This is why teenagers, I don't have to be all on fire for God. I can just go to church. See? I'm still here. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm still here. I'm still showing up every Sunday. I'm not talking just teenagers. I'm talking adults. I'm talking people who are just going through the motions checking the box. I went to church. Yeah, but is there a fire in your created spirit being? Is there a passion for him that wakes you up in the night? Is there a passion that every day, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to give you everything. I'll die for you, whatever you want. But no, we just think we can do it. We can live without God. So we just go on living without God. But I'm just telling you, God's speaking to our hearts. He's saying, you're dying and you don't know it. The day we stop eating from the tree of life, in that day, he said, you die. Oh, Jesus, I need more time to teach this. My spiritual death, your spiritual death, is a progression of daily decisions. In the day I eat of, I can do it for myself. In that day, I start to die. 
God is saying, again, people start leaning on religious doctrines right now. So uh, am I saved? All they're worried about, am I still going to heaven? They keep falling back on this religious crutch. I just need to know I'm going to heaven. How about relationship with a loving Savior? How about giving him your whole life? I don't know. I just want to know I'm going to heaven. Fall in love with him and you will go to heaven, I promise you. Never do you have to doubt or worry if you're going to heaven. I never open my eyes one day and wonder if I'm going to heaven. Because every day I wake up and the first thing I say is, thank you, Jesus, for another day. And I begin to put on the armor of God. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that I'm able to stand today against the wiles of the devil. For I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So I put on the whole armor of God today, Father, so that I may be able to stand in this evil day that I'm living in. And when I've done all to stand, I stand therefore having my belt of truth on, my breastplate of the righteousness of Jesus, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I take up the shield of faith where I can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. I put the helmet of salvation on to transform me by renewing my mind. I grab the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I pray in tongues all day. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the armor of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.